Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 82 with our guest, Tim Holloway. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. How often do you use your past history and circumstance as an excuse for not achieving all that you want in life? You know what I'm talking about, and I get it. Personally, it took me four decades of telling myself the same phony story over and over, packaged as truth, before I said enough is enough of that. Our guest today also gets it. He was a victim of abuse ward of the court, a runaway, and a drug addict by 14 years old. He turned his life around and spent a decade helping at-risk youth from Los Angeles. He has now decided to focus his attention on helping adults move beyond the limiting beliefs from their past. Can't wait to hear all about that. And, uh, He is here to help all of us transform our identity into what we know we are capable of. Help me welcome Tim Holloway. How's it going, Tim? It's going great. I just uh, wanted to thank you so much for, for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Likewise, Tim. I really appreciate who you are and what you're doing. So you have something called the Impact Challenge. I read it. I love it. I get it. Tell us what it is. Okay, so I have broken down systematically what we all kind of want and need in life. And it's based, uh, of course, on on Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. But, and then the impact is kind of the idea of what I wanted to create in this world. And so I, I basically created the acronym of impact. But it is your inner being. It is your money, it is your physical body, it is your authority, it is your connection and your time. And so impact. And what I really discovered, right? What I really discovered is when I focus on those areas of my life and begin to build them up, um, I feel fulfilled. And I feel, you know, some sort of peace and happiness uh, that I didn't have before. So, Um, I, like I said, I read it. I love it. One of the things you talk about and you say is that you were eating crap all day long and wondering why you were not feeling well. 
I could totally relate to that. I get it. For so long, I'm eating my version of crap. And then going back home and saying, why do I feel like crap? Why don't I feel good? Why is that how it was for you? What was your version of crap? That that was um, in all areas of my life. Go for it. I'm with you. Eating Mm -hmm. crap. Uh, as far as my inner being, right? Yeah. Not feeding on any TED Talks, positivity, awesome podcasts, just eating garbage. And for me, that was clicking on uh, some program when I got home at night on Netflix, some scary movie I'd fall asleep to, just crap, 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 every single go. night. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my body, it was, um, you know, a little too much wine, too many monsters, um, too big of dinner, um, Whatever it was, just junk. And I'm wondering why, you know, I'm pissing BBs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, true. Uh, so uh, relationship was just the same thing, just feeding on um, pornography and just going down the negative path of, of um, you know, longing for intimacy, but settling for all these cheap substitutes. So every area feeding on crap. You know, we're not alone. I've, I, I've, I've spent decades exactly where you're talking about, and we wonder uh, why it's not working, and we think we are alone, right? Like, hey, why isn't anything working out for me? And what, what does it take to sort of begin to shift a, an acknowledgement of, okay, here are the things that I'm doing that are not really serving <laughs> oh, that's absolutely right. I, you know, I totally believe in this this um, principle of cause and effect. And no matter what, we just can't really escape uh, from that reality. And that is, you know, my thoughts produce certain behaviors, produce certain actions that give me certain outcomes. So I'm sitting here complaining about all my outcomes, right? Like, oh, this sucks. My body sucks. My relationship sucks. Everything sucks. Not correlating all the decisions that brought me to the sucky life. <laughs> and you said one incredible word there, complaining. In that, complaining. Yeah. Like uh, we, we, we think all these things, we feel, we do, we take action, and then we complain mm. about what's happening, not, not seeing the correlation, cause and effect. Wow. Yeah. And, um, complaining, then we blame. Like, this is my, my wife's fault. This is freaking McDonald's fault. This is, you know, whatever, whoever's fault. Right. Uh, my parents' oh, my fault, job sucks. If, if I had a different job, if I had more money, if I had a different yeah. spouse, if they didn't do this, no, none of that is going to work. <laughs> exactly. That's the, the, uh, the trap of the cycle. And it mm. just, just goes around and around, just repeating. Wow. So what Terrible did you find yourself, what, what, what are you doing today, for example, that you weren't doing uh, in your unhealthier days? Number, uh, the number one thing is, so I break down those, those six key areas of the my impact. life. What are they again? And impact. I do, what are they? Impact. That is your inner being, your money that can correlate to, you know, entrepreneurship and business and stuff like that. Um, your physical body, your authority, your connection and your time. So what I do is I, I pick two things that I want in each area of my life. And I do those two things every day. Example, please. So okay. So yeah. inner being. Yeah. I, um, I meditate. Me too. And I listen to something inspirational. Meditation two by things. The way, is a game changer. Tell me, I mean, you must agree, right? Yeah. So two things. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, radically change 
some sort of spirituality that I have. And, you know, I'm not religious, but there are some people that, that are totally opposed to any form of spirituality when it's just for me, meditation and inspiration. Those two things. So I accomplish those, you know, within the first hour in the morning. And then Listen you check to it something, off. Yeah. Check it off. Like, this works for me because uh, I find passion in all these things and I choose what my impact is so it's not dictated to me so for example if one day doesn't work for me then i might replace it with something else another item to do there and so it's like this freeing experience that um that daily i i communicate to myself to my brain to my life that i am creating my impact by doing these things that is just I, like I'm literally getting the chills right now because it's so amazing and so easy and simple sounding. But I guess the, the difficult trap is doing it. So you do, yeah. you do 12 of these things. You do 2I, 2M, 2P every yeah. day. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So money, very simplistic. I podcast practically every day. And so for me, that's just sharing my, my daily wisdom. And so... Um, it's reading something or learning something new. For, for example, I read all the time on Instagram, podcasting, Facebook, marketing. Uh, so for me, it's five, 10 minutes learning something new. Like the, I think the last couple of days I've learned different posts on Instagram and how to block up this post and look really neat. It's just little small, yeah. little things about educating myself to better my business. And then uh, for me, it's podcasting. I, it's wow. just, it's, it's my way of giving back to the world. You know what I love about that is, is that it, it puts your day in focus. For me, I, I had all these, you know, decades of unhealthy habits from the minute I woke up and how I woke up to the minute I went to sleep and how I went to sleep. Everything in between just created this series of events that created this picture of a day that was not productive and destructive. Until right. you start realizing. So what I then, for all of the reasons of my story, I then simply replaced one by one of those things with better serving habits. And no matter how you do it, it's the same thing you're saying. You just have you, to, yeah. You, you are hitting the nail on the head. And, and people are so frustrated. Um, and, the, and I believe the reason is because we have all these negative habits that we've picked up along the way and we're stuck in these cycles and we're just doing them and they are our focus. We're like, man, if I could just stop, blah, blah, blah. Yes. What you're talking about, what I'm talking about is don't even worry about stopping anything per se, unless you're going to die tomorrow. Okay. Start a couple new things. You start a couple things on your daily habits and I swear good oh, eats up evil all the time yes. or bad or, or detrimental so begin to put into practice something good and then the good just swallows it up that's right it's it's not stopping a bad habit you literally need to find something to replace replace it it. with and that's exactly what you're saying is that uh don't worry about stopping it find something else that you're going to do that is going to take the place of great example living breathing proof here one of my worst habits, and you know, they were all worse, right? I'm sure they were all equally as terrible. <laughs> I chart them out. Um, was I used to bite my nails. 
Uh, I used to bite them for years and, you know, it was bloody and unattractive, which is sort of helping me, you know, if, if I thought or analyzed why it's because, you know, it was, it was helping me keep the shame and embarrassment physically and, oh, look how, you know, so through all this, uh, and again, and, and again, that was one of my worst physical habits. I never, in the course of my change and adjustments, I never had to figure out how to stop biting my nails. In the right time, I just never felt like biting my nails again. So that was a great side effect of other habits that were becoming positive in my life. So that's a, a great example of you don't always have to stop something. Things will naturally fall by the wayside when you get- They will. Yeah. Now, now I love will. my nails and I haven't bitten my nails. I have no desire to bite my nails. <laughs> Who knew? This is- this is the way um, that I quit smoking. I know some people just like cold turkey and this, that, and the other thing. Mine was a reduction and a replacement. Um, it started out with gum and then sunflower seeds and then creating different habits that and connection with people. We don't understand this. Ooh. You get connected with certain people where smoking is just not acceptable and certain environments and so you got now these activities you got these environments you got your newfound feeling and they just fall off they just fall off yeah it's amazing um i also love that you said people get so frustrated and overwhelmed when they're trying to to work on this i always think that if you find yourself in a frustrated or overwhelmed position it's likely because you believe you have no choice in some matter. And once you can understand that there is full choice in every situation, it might seem dire or unlikely, but when you can just wrap your head around the fact that I do have a choice and maybe you don't have to tackle the big choices right away, like a new career or leaving a relationship. But if you can just understand that everything you do is your distinct choice, that should open up the idea that you have control and you should then start feeling a little less frustrated and overwhelmed. That's just been my experience. Yeah. Well, a lot of smart minds think the same. I mean, I, I think of Viktor Frankl because that was the the book that kind of set me on the course to responsibility and choosing your attitude and yeah. and um, the power of his logotherapy that he created. But in a simplistic form, it's just exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And looking at your life and go, oh, my God, I made a thousand choices today. And I only had one or two things fall upon me that was beyond, uh, that wasn't my choice. And that kind of happened to me in a sense. And you look at that and you look at the ratio and it's like, oh my God, all these things that I'm choosing to do. And I have these couple little things that kind of come upon me. Where should my energy be spent on the things I can't control or all these choices that I control on a daily, uh, that get me yeah. the results that I'm getting. Yeah. So powerful thought. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm listening to you. I know where you are today, but also I know where you could have been today. Am I right? And, 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 and we'll get into your 
your upbringing to again point out that there's no excuse there's no reason whatever it is you have no excuse you have full control and choice to achieve and do and none of that is used as an excuse it just it just isn't if you are you you don't need to be where could your life do you ever think like oh my god i'm sure you do it's probably a rhetorical question. yeah how grateful and appreciative you are for, for being powerful enough to take the actions you took. Where could your have life have, have, have been right now? Uh, it, it, it was bad. Um, I think at 13 is when I um, had a suicide attempt uh, swallowing a bottle of uh, sleeping pills. Oh my. And um, what brought me to this point is I, I, I can go uh, a little brief description of the history of my life. Well, let me ask but, you this. Tell us. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish that thought. Go and ahead. Then, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think at 13 through 16 that I didn't have the expectation to, to live much longer. Um, so looking in and the... Um, and all the trauma and everything, I don't think I would have lasted very long. I really don't. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so let's go back now. Um, bring us back even prior to that. Set the scene for us. What was life like growing up for Tim okay. Holloway? Okay. So um, before I was even born, this kind of gives a clue to what I'm born into. Oh, my. Was um, my sister was murdered by one of my mom's boyfriends who threw her against the wall. And during this whole scenario, he tied my brother up. Um, so my brother's around three years old and my sister is, uh, she's under one. She's between um, newborn and, and 12 months old. Oh, wow. um, and so she's murdered and my brother's taken away. And then I'm kind of, my mom doesn't change her patterns and I know she had some abuse and stuff, but she just kept, you know, in this crutch and excuse lifestyle, but she found men that were just, just the same, just as, as abusive wow. as he was. Um, my father, he was huge man, huge um, gangster in prison all the time, San Quentin, Folsom, you know, all these big prisons. And, um, was connected with the Hells Angels and the Aryan Brotherhood and stuff like that. Um, needless to say, when I was born, he was marrying another woman. So my my birth was a conjugal visit, <laughs> just to to let people know. I, you know, I was a product of a conjugal visit, a pretty much um, not a very long relationship. So <laughs> well, well, let me um, let me clear something up here for for a moment. Um, uh -huh. When you were born, obviously you weren't told all this immediately. So you just, when do you, when were you told all of this information as a young adult or how old were you? Do you remember? Um, I was told a lot of information um, growing up and then um, the court cases um, that came later. Um, and then me sharing my experience with, with the attorneys and the judge and my brother sharing their experience. And then my grandmother testifying and just kind of just getting, you know, all these stories and all these knowledge by 10 years old, I pretty much knew everything that was going on. How does a 10 year old um, process this? How do you, uh, how, I how do didn't. you cope with it? How do you cope with yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I had a lot of, um, a lot of panic attacks, but I didn't know what they were. 
Okay. All I knew is that, you know, I'm curled up in a ball on the bathroom floor and I'm um, hyperventilating and doing these things. Um, I would wake up in multiple different locations and that means a couple blocks down the street. Like, so the, um, the sleepwalking is kind of like night terrors where you go into panic attacks and, and take off to different locations. Cause you're just, um, you're fearful and you're scared and you're running. That, that was my, my, my childhood experience. And this is after being, um, taken away from the trauma. So we were taken away. I was 10 years old when I was taken away from my, uh, my mother and my stepfather. And who were you living with? My grandmother. Was there any sort of, in your mind, bright outlook where you were like, you know what, when I graduate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed all this and I'm going to be the person I know I could be? Any, anything like that? There didn't come any um, bright side until maybe 16 years old. Um, I think before that was pretty much just, you know, put me out of my misery, sort of a death mm -hmm. wish sort of thing. Just like, please, like, end this somehow. <laughs> that was wow. pretty much where I was. So what happened with this bright side? Bring us to that point, 16, 17. What, okay. what now helped? And you're like, oh, thank goodness. Right. So, um, so leading up to this, and I'll just share really briefly. Um, so I was given custody of my grandmother and then... Um, I woke up and, um, and found her dead. And this was 13 years old. And so oh, um, not too long after, I decided to run away. And I moved in with the, um, the meth dealer up the street, and we took off and moved city. So I'm, I'm living with a 30-something-year-old at, at 14 years old. Um, but so about 16 years old, I, I come in contact with a, a man. And what I mean by a man is a man. Like, so... <laughs> because I never knew what a man was, right? Like, uh, as far as I knew, men beat their wives. You know, oh, as far wow. as I may, knew that men, you know, were paranoid, schizophrenic, you know, I just never had a positive role model of a man. And so I uh, came in contact with a mentor relationship to a, a man. He took the jack in a box and he's sitting there talking to me. He was an ex-cop and he, um, he had a spiritual life. And he, he seen that I was drowning. Like I was pretty much dead in the water. And so that's what changed for me was, so he did take me into his home at um, 16 years old and I became a part of the family. And so what I seen was um, like how it's supposed to happen <laughs> uh, as far as parenting, treating your wife, uh, oh. having nice things. I've never, I never seen a man have nice things. Uh, he had a, a, a house on a hill and cars that worked and <laughs> I was just blown away about um, the scenario. So uh, the change of point in my life happened is when I finally met a man. And then of course, who was willing to invest and mentor me. Wow. So how did that, how did that play out the next year, two years, three years, however long it lasted? Oh man, me getting, uh, going back and getting my GED. Cause as you know, I, I didn't even make it to high school. Oh, Ran you away, took off. Oh. Uh, I didn't even make it to high school do where all the trauma was right about 14 and just everything just messed up. So, 
I went back and got my GED, uh, which is night school, right? And then I ended up getting a job as a little maintenance guy at Tonko Bell, just cleaning up. And then, uh, of course, became the assistant manager uh, not too long. And so during this, from 16 to 20, was out building my life, um, getting it on track, getting a job, finding a place, uh, just, you know, starting out fresh and right. Wow. And then what happened in your early 20s? You're starting to get your head straight? Yeah, so I got my head straight, man, and uh, good job. I think uh, I bought a co- two houses at the time I was 24. I think I bought my first house, 22. Upgraded at 24. I mean, an awesome job. Things were well. And, um, and then uh, my dad overdosed on heroin. And it just set me into this uh, just kind of downward spiral for – for quite a while, for quite a while. Hmm. Well, when you bought your first house, 22, 24, was there a sense of pride and accomplishment? There had to have been, right? From where you came, oh, really not, yes. not, so long, not, not so long prior. You, you probably saw. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? There was, um, there was a lot of pride and accomplishment. I, um, I felt like that I, I rose above you know, my heritage and, and um, the family system and, and all that stuff. Um, and, I, and I knew that something greater was going to begin to happen. Um, for example, I think there was a year there at 24, right before my dad died. Um, I made a lot of money that year. And there was a sense of, you know, I don't want to say pride in an inordinate sense where you're like, look at me. But there was like, gosh. Like I probably made more this year than my dad ever made in his whole life legally. <laughs> Doing what? Uh, construction. I was in what? construction management, and we built a lot of homes, and each home had a bonus attached to it, and and then it was yeah, and then, then fixing up my first house and selling that for a huge profit, as you can imagine, in that um, in those years, you can actually make a you know a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> wow. So good for you. So now in your early twenties, you get the news of your father. That sort of brings you back down a little bit. How did we, how and when did we come out the other side of that? So that is, uh, that was a long haul because, um, you know, I was in the, the ministry at the time. And so going through, you know, a sense of depression, not understanding, questioning, all these different things that, that took place. Um, I was really no longer suitable to really help anybody. And so that came with, you know, losing, um, you know, a passion and stuff. So I would probably say, yeah, it took a while. It took probably uh, my divorce uh, in my early 30s to finally get to the other side of that. <laughs> and at that point, you, you still have some, I, I mean, you're, you, you, you certainly feel like you're above and out of your upbringing, right? But you still Absolutely. had some... You still had some bad habits and things to work through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think what the listeners can get from that is that life is kind of like a journey, and that you know I've defeated so many giants, right? Um, defeated all these things, and then you know going in and going along. There's there's always other things that are going to come against you. And uh, guess what? I've defeated those now too. 
life's a process and we think this magic wand right it's like poof this fairy's gonna make everything better and it's like no yeah, yeah. i i freaking was killing it right and then you know a couple of bad things happen and and um alcoholism kind of resurfaced and then i had to beat those too wow so now here you are today so now let's talk about the the work that you had to do because in your 30s and beyond you you were still fighting those those demons and that the, the past history and circumstances what kinds of things did you put in place so um the first thing was extreme responsibility like <sighs> saved my life and that is extreme responsibility is almost everything is my fault and this is kind of hard for people of abuse yeah. and trauma right because yeah. you look back it's like no it's not my fault like i you know it's what they did to me yeah that that's the reason but extreme responsibility takes the stances of i understand the pain that i went through and the trauma that i experienced but am i going to continually allow these people to hurt me over and over again am i going to stay in this trauma and in this pain or am i going to choose to take responsibility for my life so number one ultimate extreme responsibility and this is hard for people to swallow almost everything is your fault <laughs> i get it i've 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 heard it put like that before and it's um the truth that is um for some reason it's uh it could be a little controversial but there's so much power in it listen to what it is there's so much power in that because it gives you there the power. is it gives you the power so i've uh, i've worked with um uh, women who have been victimized and, and, and raped, um, when they grab a hold of this concept, because at first it's like, I hate you. I'm not going to even listen to you right now. What are you talking about? You know, the pain that happened. And we got to understand this is that, no, the situation, something did happen to you. But we, we are choosing every single day to relive and to rehearse these thoughts and continue the story we believe what that story told us we're worthless we're weak we're good for nothing right everything that that event communicated to us we just believe hook line and sinker and it's destroying us and we can make a different choice and so that's the power yeah tim that's exactly um that was my story that i fed myself that i referenced in the introduction i gave myself that story as truth now able to know it was false and really i knew it was phony in in real time because um behind closed doors i would feel so angry and aggravated and frustrated because i knew i was feeding myself a false story but wasn't didn't feel strong enough to show up in the world living the true version so i would you know hate myself and kick and scream for having to put on this phony persona this 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 weak persona that i perpetuated and then i attracted all the people and circumstances in my life that helped me perpetuate that story yeah that is so true yeah i you know i think it's the it's the facing reality um i talk about it in my book the impact challenge but um honesty is the first key so to, true. to anything it's just looking at it and going this is where I'm at. <laughs> like, this is, these are the decisions that I'm making. These are all the areas that I'm dissatisfied with. And these are the choices that brought me that dissatisfaction. And just being able to uh, um, 
to face the truth in yeah. reality, it's, it's where it starts. Yeah. And, and I know some of this might be a hard pill to swallow, like we're talking about. Um, but the truth is, if and when you can, it really becomes powerful in your favor. Looking at any less than desirable circumstance and and taking responsibility, like you're saying, taking an honest look of what maybe you contributed consciously or subconsciously to the scenario to have this situation be able to even occur. And it was a very big pill for me to swallow that I, I, I found myself in a lot of very less than ideal, hurtful in, in business, in personal, in relationships, in social, in family, in all these things until, like you said, I had to lay my cards out on the table, take an honest look and say, okay, what am I responsible for here? I'm not just the victim because I, I could continue to say, and believe me, I've done it for years that, oh no, I'm the victim and this is just happening to me. And uh, I, you know, why is this happening to me and keep myself in that victim mentality? You can, but you're going to get the same result and you're going to keep yourself in that victim role. If you have any desire to get out, you need to say, okay, no, 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 no. I'm not a victim. Let me see what I've been doing to perpetuate this something, anything, because when you can find that, you can remove. So if you really want to remove yourself from these less than desirable situations, it's time to say, okay, what am I doing deliberately, not deliberately, consciously, not consciously? to allow this situation, to perpetuate the situation, to find myself in this situation. You, you, you have to, by all sense of definition, be doing something or else you wouldn't be in that scenario. That is so true. Um, there's, there, there's a reality of we, we've either caused this or allows this to happen. Now, this ain't always the case because, you know, we can get on here and debate about there's certain things that happen. And, and you know, I don't really want to go to the 1%. But allowing, allowing the pain to continue when you can stop the pain, this is what we're talking about here. Now, you didn't cause the pain. Right. You didn't allow that person to, to violate you or whatever took place um, as far as if we're talking about trauma. Yeah. But again, it's, it's the allowing of the, um, the pain when we can make a different choice and get out. Wow. You had mentioned, you know what, yeah, go ahead. No, you, uh, you know, I was thinking the, the crazy thing about um, this victim, this victim role, and I played it very good. Um, there was something about my teenage years. Oh, poor Timmy, right? The poor abused child. I mean, I had the teachers bringing me food. I had, you know, you know, all these scenarios of where my victim role benefited me very much. And it was always, oh, poor Timmy. And when I went to grandmother, she made sure to spoil me to death, give me the best life she could, right? And so I, there's something about the victim role that is, yeah, I was a victim, right? And I, I got a good excuse for where I am right now, you know, doing drugs, just, you know, living on the streets, just doing stupid stuff. I got a good reason. And that's the, here, here's the reality. We all got a good reason. Yeah. I mean, wow. they're, they're pretty valid. Like, yeah, okay, but what are you going to do now? Okay, you know, so it's, it's dropping the excuses, dropping the reasons, uh, because we all got semi-valid ones. So you, wow, the way you have now come to, to this 
part of your life. Um, what were some of the things you, I know you were helping at risk youth and then you mentioned something about um, women. How and when did this occur in your life? So um, for seven years, I worked for a, a treatment center for boys and um, That's great. we, he helped us from Watts that um, different locations over there that had to be taken out of their home um, due to some sort of crime they committed, you know, within the neighborhood. And so it, it helped me out a lot, even though going through those years, uh, I was dealing with my own um, stuff and own experiences, um, reaching out and being looking at me, basically, I'm looking at me. Um, in a younger sense and, and reaching out and helping people uh, bring kids out of that condition at that point was um, I found purpose and passion for it. And it caused me to, um, to not sink down so low in my life, you know, to be able to have a, a passion and a purpose and something to do. Um, so it was highly, highly beneficial for me. Highly beneficial. Whew. How, how do you spend your time today? I know you're at a, um, one of your retreat houses yeah. there. I mean, so what you're, a life you're you probably, <laughs> you're probably gonna, uh, the listeners are probably gonna be like, Oh my goodness. But, uh, um, a daily routine for me looks like, uh, waking up, uh, listening to inspirational content. Uh, it looks like meditating. Um, as far as my physical body and, and the impact, I, I drink a green smoothie in the morning and I, I eat my probiotics to get my digestive system good. That's awesome. Um, and then I, I start my day, which uh, includes running a marketing business from home. And so I put uh, about four hours into that every day. Um, so hmm. that's pretty much, you know, my existence. So wow. I... I look at my connection with my wife and that's part of my impact also. So I make sure to do something that, that connects with her that day, whether it's spending time talking or just rubbing her shoulders, um, just picking something that wow. that's going to make a deposit into my, um, into my wife. And so it's amazing if we can go there daily deposits on your significant other. Mm. You, you, you think your marriage is falling apart? Just begin to make deposits and watch that account just overflow. <laughs> just amazing. Wow. What an incredible story in life. Um, how, do you, how do you view the word fail? Fail? Um, I fail a lot. Um, so I think the failure is, isn't giving up, um, honestly. Um, I wouldn't be where I was today if I gave up. Um, because I've had a hard road to get here. Um, you know, even just recently with you know, business partners and different things that just don't happen the way you see it. Um, we look at people's lives that are, they're living the life, right? They, they make significant amount of money and they're working from home and like, Oh, I wish I had that. Oh, mm. uh, it was a tough road. Wow. If, For example, it, it was going all in. So I was working at that treatment center right in Southern California and decided to move to Idaho and kind of pursue this entrepreneurship. Um, there's no going back. It's like it's the whole idea of burning the ships. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Here's, here's the fact. Most people won't burn the ships. They're not willing to go all in. And so they look at people and it's like, oh, man, they're like so successful. I wish, I wish, I wish I had amazing uh, podcasts and income and all that stuff. And it's like, 
Mm. You got to do the work. You got to burn them ships. You got to go all in. <laughs> so much truth in all that, especially you, you have to do the work. There are no shortcuts. You just have to get it done. Find something you enjoy doing and put in the work, envision the plan, execute on it and uh, see the results. It's really like yeah. that. So you've certainly, Absolutely. boy, have you come a long way to put it uh, mildly. Thank, thank goodness, right? Um, if you had to drill it down to one thing that just allowed you, because by all versions, all definition, you really shouldn't be where you are today, right? I mean, the cards were stacked against you. What would you say kept you alive, quite literally? Um, so you're absolutely right. I have um, five brothers and five sisters, and they are on welfare. I have one in prison. I have, you know, everybody um, is not doing very well who who experienced the same uh, situation. So when you say that, um, I get goosebumps because I know, I know that, you know, as far as my upbringing and everything that I went, that I don't belong here. But it's it, but. In a sense, people love that story, though, right? I love that story. I love the bosses and, and the people that I have that have went from nothing and, and got something. Um, they're powerful people. And so that just, like, encourages me that, you know what, I may not deserve this in the sense of, you know, the right upbringing, the right environment, the right education, the right whatever you call it. Like if somebody told me to go back to college right now, I'd kind of laugh at them and like, you know, entrepreneurship is the way to go. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Because of, you know, where, where I'm from now and the knowledge that I have. So um, number one thing, responsibility, just like we've talked about. Uh, I have the ability to choose my response and therefore I can go, yeah, but my parents, yeah, but my environment, yeah, but this, yeah, but my education, um, yeah, but everything, right? Um, it's taking responsibility and, and choosing your response. Amazing. That is the yeah. number one thing. Number one thing. Love it. If you were able to go back to a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person? I think um, my, my would be more the, the, the empathy with the pain. And, and saying, I understand, um, you know, what you're going through, um, but that there is hope. It's like that old saying, hold on pain and, you know, there is hope. And that the 13-year-old me who swallowed that bottle of pills and just, you know, um, just thought it was all over. I, I would say, hold on, just wait. Like, I know you're enduring, you're going through pain right now, but there is um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You believe that everything and, happens and for a reason? I do. I, I absolutely do. There's so many things with me being connected with my wife that the scenarios that happen in her moving state and um, just, I, I can't explain it. And I, I've told her before, it's like, no, I, I don't believe in destiny, right? She caused me to believe in destiny. Because it's like, how did all these scenarios, you living in Texas, me getting a divorce, getting my, my, my head together, you know, creating a better me and us meeting up in this, this correct fashion and then us creating this powerful life that we're creating together. It's, it's hard not to believe in destiny. Hmm. It's so hard. 
what do you what do you believe happens when it's all over when our time here on earth comes to an end Ooh, that's a tricky question um hmm. i i don't believe that we have an internal soul per se but i do believe that there is some sort of some sort of afterlife for somebody who may be not extremely wicked. And you know, when I say wicked, it is, you know, you're a serial killer, you're going around, your intention is to hurt, you know, all these people. And so for me, I do believe in, in, in some sort of, of existence after this. I just don't know what that entails. I really don't. Fair. Yeah. What is, um, what does the future hold for you? Well, we want to uh, um, create our uh, marketing business so it's self-sufficient, and that means it doesn't require me to be there um, in a sense. So we want it to bring in a certain amount of income and then be running by itself. And so, therefore, I can go 100% to the uh, Impact Challenge and just really dive in deep to um, creating programs and systems to begin to liberate people. Hmm. Wow. I will leave you with this final question. Tim Holloway, how would you like to be remembered? Ooh, I think about this often. Uh, I even wrote uh, uh, my obituary. I don't quite remember it. Um, I don't have it with me. But it was, it was along the lines that he was a, a great man and he created impact in multiple people's lives and here's the main thing that i want i don't want anything in me because i'm a creator to go uncreated and so i'm gonna say and this is why in my daily podcast i'm gonna say everything that's on my mind like i am not gonna go to the grave with one thought or mm -hmm. one idea still in me i'm just not gonna do it and the same thing with books and creating programs and these ideas and everything the only thing that would stop that is if for some freak accident you know, I was taken before I can complete these things. But if I'm giving the time, you can guarantee that uh, there ain't nothing left in them. <laughs> wow, I love that. What in the world prompted you to write your obituary? Um, for me, impact was legacy. And I began to think about legacy and what I wanted to leave behind. Um, and just really getting a vision of that. And I actually um, I meditated on it and seen my wife actually saying these words, um, that he was a great man. And so it was like a real wow. uh, a powerful experience for me. So, Wow. Did you share that with your wife? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, so much here. <laughs> Thank you. My goodness. Seriously, Tim, thank you for showing up, for opening up and for sharing all of you with us today. Incredible to meet you, man. Man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate everybody joining us, tuning in, whether you're here on the live broadcast or you're tuning in to the official podcast production on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you consume your podcasts. If you have something to say, let us know with a rate and review. Let us know your thoughts, what you think of the show so we can keep it going and do good things. We're going to continue to do another episode not too far behind. Again, I want to thank you for your time. Until we meet again, 
go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.